You're listening to The Big Possible Show with your host, Noah Scott. It's time to break through the limits and achieve all you can imagine. All you can imagine. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Big Possible Show. This is your host, Noah Scott, signing on with Rick Highland. So, Rick, well, he's a successful consulting executive who loves living and managing his life by purpose, goals, and as well as effective stress management principles. He lives in Salt Lake City, Utah. He's got an MBA from the Ivy Business School in London, Ontario, Canada. Rick and his wife have, have six children and 15 grandchildren. Wow. So, Rick, you've got quite the story. I'm so excited to dive in and just and just hear all the, the interesting insights that you've picked up around the adventure, as well as some of these stress management principles. How's it going? Good. Uh, grateful to be on your podcast today, Noah. Great. And so for our listeners who haven't had a chance to know you, do you want to share just a quick insight around what you would say is your superpower, that thing that you've honed through the years that's just unique to you? Oh, uh, that's really good. Um, I just wrote a blog called um, Weekly Planning Your Superpower. Um, and I would think that is, you know, I'm not the smartest person in the on the bookshelf, but I do know how to plan and prioritize and execute on big dreams and big goals, as I'll try to illustrate here in a second. So I'm really good at figuring out how once we figure out what we want to do. So uh, that that's kind of my superpower is planning in a word. Incredibles. This is why I'm so excited to have you on the show as it's the big possible. We're trying to connect the dots from not just making a big vision, but actually how do we do the big vision? So this is going to be super exciting. And to start us off, do you want to share a story of a time that you took the biggest risk of your life? You know, and again, this is really to contextualize the art of risk taking and sharing with our listeners who are facing their own risks that they're not alone in the world. They're not crazy. Other people are taking big risks just like them. Yeah, great question. Well, I'll tell you the end of the story. I'll try to make it brief, but I think there's a couple of nuggets in here for you and your listeners. The end of the story ends up with me 100xing my consulting company over a 10-year period with an incredible, talented group of people. When I first joined um, 32 years ago, it was a 30-person company and then when I retired, it was a 250-person company. I was the COO. But the big risk came in my 20s when um, I, I guess the first big risk was moving my young family, my wife and two kids, uh, young kids, across country and going to an MBA program where I was told I was the youngest and least experienced person in the program. So um, I was taught the value of hard work. And so I thought, okay, well, I'll just have to outwork people and uh, try to bring my uh, lack of experience and, and uh, you know, mitigate for that with hard work. So I got in, long story short, two months in the program, got the first grade back in economics by a professor named Don, and it was a C minus. And I had worked my heart off. It was one of the lowest grades in a 60-something person class. And it was a mini crisis, if you will, partly because I just moved my family across the country and ripped them apart from every both sides of the family, both, you know, my, my, my family and my in-laws, and it was a big risk. And so I had a pity party that Friday night, as much as you can with two, you know, babies wanting uh, attention and love. 
And uh, so on the weekend in my unfurnished apartment in my MBA program, I told my wife, Cheryl, I'm going down to the basement. I'm going to figure out what, what I'm supposed to be doing. Because it didn't, you know, this was a little mini crisis of confidence. Why, why was I even there, et cetera, et cetera. It's expensive. It's time consuming. And, you know, we don't know anybody. So uh, one of my heroes growing up was a gentleman named Stephen R. Covey, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And um, and I remember him talking about habit two, I believe it was, begin with the end in mind, and the power of articulating your vision for your life or your mission or your purpose. I use those three terms fairly interchangeably for the for this purpose. And um, so I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Let me figure out what I'm supposed to be doing. Maybe I'm not even supposed to be in this program, blah, blah. You know, it was all, I was all over the map. So I spent the weekend really asking myself a couple of questions that now, interestingly enough, I coach people to when they're trying to find purpose. So, uh, and there's more questions you can ask, but the two big ones I asked at the time was, what are my strengths and how am I going to apply that to bless the world and earn a living for my family? And two, how do I want to be remembered? I'm at my funeral. I can't control what people are saying, but what if I was able to envision it, what do I want them to be saying? What kind of person? The richest, toughest, meanest son of a gun? Or how do I want to be known as or remembered as? And then how can I reverse engineer that back to a 26-year-old trying to figure out what he should be doing? So long story short, no, I came up with this purpose statement that I felt good about. It said something like, you know, I want to practice continuous improvement on life. I want to make a difference for myself, my family, and others. Um, and, you know, I want to help them uh, live an amazing life through continuous improvement. So that was kind of it. I went back to school on Monday. I never, you know, I wasn't valedictorian. Also, it wasn't the bottom. I did okay. Um, but it came to recruiting time and looking for a job. And nothing looked interesting. And uh, I really couldn't put my finger on what I might want to do. I was still at that point. So uh, I went back to my purpose statement. And then it was literally like two days later, a small niche consulting company applies to the MBA program. This is back in the day where they posted on the wall versus a computer. And no, it had some of the exact same words that I had written a year and a half before. Continuous improvement, action orientation, make a difference in people's lives, bottom line improvement to a company. So I'm thinking, oh my goodness, that's why I did that. That's why I took this big risk. That's why. And so anyhow, long story short, a couple of days later, the posting comes up for interviews. I'm not on it. Shocking. And so uh, before I could lose my mind, I, uh, you know, I, I, was, I felt that confident. I called him up and talked to Sandy, the recruiting director at the time. And she said, uh, and they still tease me about this anytime I go back and talk to my old company, but they said, yeah, I said, uh, I think you made a mistake. I applied for this job and I wasn't, you know, I'm not on the list to be interviewed. I, I think you made a mistake. And and she's caught, you know, it was kind of taken aback. And so she said, well, let me look at your resume. Oh, you're the youngest and you're not least experienced. Of course, I can't say youngest, but you're the least experienced. And um, so I had nothing to lose. So I told them about this experience of writing who I wanted to be in my vision for my life through this purpose statement. And she said, okay. Put your name on the wall. You're five o'clock on Thursday. You're the last interview, number 11. Long story short, um, I was the only one to get that job. Uh, I retired 32 years later as the second largest shareholder and uh, COO. And um, that was four years ago. So it was an amazing journey. It was a big risk. Now, the other one I should mention, 
Um, cause I know people get really nervous in investing. Uh, I preach particularly to millennials all the time, multiple streams of income, multiple, multiple streams. Don't just rely on one, have your investments, a different kind of investments, uh, have a side hustle. Don't worry about the Beamer right now, you know, multiple streams. So here I am, I'm late thirties and the company wants to be, uh, same company and I'm, I'm moving up and I'm doing well and I'm staying with it. And, and partly because I'm on purpose. And uh, I'm so passionate about it because it's my thing. This company's my thing. And uh, um, of course, I wasn't the founder. But anyhow, in 2006, they said, okay, um, both for retirement of the original partners and for uh, succession planning for the next and for wealth for the next, we're going to you know, sell shares in the company. And it was a big chunk of change. It was more than I had. We had to borrow, had to, you know, Cheryl and I had to think hard about it, pray hard about it, think and take that big risk of, you know, at the time, a quarter million dollars and put into this company. Well, uh, that turned out to be, you know, between the combination of I felt like I owned it because I did part of it. And I was living on purpose. We just we went mad. And uh, those 10 years from 2003 to 2013 were our best. We continue to grow, but uh, we 100x'd the company. And I really think two of the key success factors was from those two risks. One, living on articulating and then living by purpose. That's what kept me going during discouraging times in MBA and in the career. And then secondly, uh, being an owner and having an ownership mentality. Because when you have the mentality, you're going to do anything it takes to be successful. And when you're living on purpose, you're going to do anything it takes to be successful. So if people ask, well, how, what's what, a key success factor? Get yourself in a position where you feel like you're going to do anything it takes to be successful. Why are immigrants, why are people that have come to this country poor and um, legally, hopefully, and uh, you know they work so hard and look at how many success stories we have today from people that have come in because they were hungry and it was the only option and uh, they worked hard. The other lesson in there, no, and I'll take a break and let you ask some questions, but the importance of working smart. I guess that's the third principle that I would add besides ownership and purpose. And um, working hard wasn't going to be good enough. And so about that same time when I was writing my purpose statement, I went to one of the professors that I felt like I, you know, started a, a bond and relationship with. And I, you know, I was whining, I was complaining, hey, I'm working my heart out. I'm still not getting the grades I want. Uh, and he says, Rick, it's not about just working hard, you got to work smart. I said, well, tell me what that means. Every, everybody talks about that. Everybody, I'd be dumb not to want to work smart. How, how, so in the context of school, and I, I, I challenge and invite the listeners to think about how this might apply to their lives at work, home, whatever it might be. He said, you know, the professors are going to give you too much work than you can handle. So you got to really, and a large chunk of your grade is on participation and how you get in and add your insights to the conversation, even though you might be, you know, not, don't know the industry very well, don't know the company very well. Uh, you might be nervous in, in front of 60 smart people, whatever. And so he said, part of working smart is work as a team in your little team of four, delegate the parts, have people focus on their strengths. If your strengths are sales and marketing, you do sales and marketing, have Jim work on the the finance side, come back together. So you've delegated it out, you've contracted out, uh, you specialized work, and you've come in and now share lessons learned. And oh, by the way, 
when you get into participate, make sure you jump in during the part you're most confident on. You know, if it's sales and marketing, then hammer that sucker, get in, make your points. And then if you get in some something later on a, on a secondary point, great. But it was a fantastic lesson. So I've constantly throughout my life figured out if I'm stuck or in a roadblock or a difficult thing or a challenge, what, how, what, what does working smart look like in this situation? Because most times, and by the way, I love working hard, but I don't want that to be my badge of honor. I have other priorities in my life. I have family, kids, recreation, a church, you know, that I want to contribute to. So yes, I want to work hard, but I don't want that to be my nameplate. Some people that that's their nameplate, they're not working smart. And they don't take the time because they're grinding and they're always grinding and they're putting in 75 hours. Well, what if you could put 50, mm -hmm. have an incredible career and also pay attention to the other priorities in your life and not lose uh, sight of those in the middle of your big possible. So anyhow, there's a there's a couple of stories and a couple of lessons learned, Noah. <laughs> we have so much to, 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 to chat on. How am I going to filter through and choose what we want to go deeper on? Wow. So um, one of the things that you... You know, I think we definitely want to talk about some of the 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 ability to work hard and work smart. I think that's something I want to pick up on in a second. But, you know, one one thing that really spoke to me was the the concept of having the clarity around the vision that you've created so that when opportunities show up, you're better equipped to filter through the opportunities. And I was actually having a conversation with my buddy here in Oakland last night. We're, we're talking about how once he latched onto his vision he was able to filter through all those things. And it's kind of like, if, you know, if you're meeting your wife at a, at a busy park, for example, and she says, I'm here. And you say, where are you? I can't see you and all the people that are there. And she says, I'm wearing a pink sweater. Suddenly you're able to zero in and, oh, there you are. It's so Great much analogy. easier when you're clear on what it is that you're looking for. And so by taking that step to articulate what the vision is, now you're able to identify the opportunities that show up in your life. So thank you so much for sharing that. Okay, yeah, so- just to, just to comment on that real quick before you go to your next point. Amen, that's absolutely true. And it doesn't mean it's super easy, but it does simplify it a little bit. And it helps you say know what to say yes to, but just as importantly, it helps you know what to say no to. And that's one of the hardest things for peak performers or high achievers is what to say no to. They want to do it all, right? And then they get overwhelmed, stressed, and we're going to talk about that down the road here. But it's really important because um, we're so busy and we've got so many good things to do. Some bad things, but most it's just good things. But what's the highest leverage? That's part of working smart. Highest leverage activities to, to know what to say yes to. And if you have a clear vision for your life, you're able and clear to say what's what to say yes to. But just as importantly, no, that I love that. I love what you're doing. Good luck. That's not my priority right now. I uh, wish you all the best. So, I mean, that's the other side of that coin, right? Yeah, great. And I, I love the word leverage. It's one of the things I live by, you know, always thinking of if we want to make a big impact, we really only have 24 hours in the day. We have two hands, you know, a pair of eyes and a voice. What are some of the, the ways that you found to be able to break through the walls of, you know, limitations by adding leverage, working smart? Yeah. Yeah. So there's many ways to answer that. And so, but I'll give you one example. And if we want to, you know, talk further or deeper around it, we can. But one, uh, one way is just to plan and prioritize your life around. Yeah. That's working smart. Uh, all of us, uh, most of us readily admit we want to be successful. 
and um, whatever success looks like for us. And the people that don't admit it are lying. No, I'm just saying. But, you know, again, what success looks like for me and for you might be different. So I'm defining it at what success looks like for you. If it's rich and happy, then, you know, as I try to, you know, well, financially independent and happy, then that's that's your marker. But then it's important to plan and prioritize. That's what working smart means. I actually put a, I wrote a book right after I retired from that consulting career I talked about. And now I just coach entrepreneurs on how to grow their business. But I wrote my first book that I wrote was called Live Your Purpose, a step-by-step guide to living your best life. And of course, it I had such this extraordinary experience with the power of purpose. Thought I got to write a book about it. And then when I went to do all the research and the McKinsey articles and the health articles and the health research and 10 benefits of living on purpose and half of them are health and joy and satisfaction and less hospital time, et cetera, et cetera, less disease. And uh, this is researchers, not just Rick and not just, you know, an article, a blog, but actual medical research. And so put that book together. And um, in that, I put together this process on how to take from vision or purpose to 90 day goals, to weekly planning, to daily execution on those priorities. And then I put a put a, um, a planner together called Live Your Best Life Planner. And basically that's on Amazon as well, but it basically takes me through and anybody that buys that, that process of, okay, I've, I've articulate how to articulate this vision for my life. And then how do I break that down into 90 day goals? Cause I don't like yearly goals. We know, you know, only 20% of the people accomplish their new year's resolution. So that's not the way to go. So break it down into 90 days. Cause that's more manageable action oriented. Our brain can get around that. And then every week on Sunday night, to work smart, I say, okay, yeah, it's going to be a busy week. But if there's 20 things I really want to get done in spiritual, physical, mental, work, relationships, et cetera, what's the highest priorities to help me live my vision? And if it's just work things and I'm just sucked up by the calendar, uh, I'm not living my vision because my vision is much bigger than work. So that's why it's really important to break it down by role. So I consider all of that working smart, a method to execute your best life or the vision you have for your life. Because a lot of people give up on those big dreams and goals, A, because of risk, B, because of failure, um, and C, they don't know really how. They want that big thing out there, whatever success looks like. But what I've attempted to do is in the last 35 years is articulate a how, how to execute your best life, how to execute your big dreams and it does take some risk and it does take some failure but when you're driven by vision and purpose and excellent execution you can accomplish a lot in your life beautifully said and you know i'd like to dig a little deeper on on the support aspect of it because often the best plans will encounter some resistance as we go through whether that's a wall that we don't know how to cross or feelings and mood and you know just the emotions throughout life what do you do or what do you advise your clients to do when they get stuck like how do how do you suggest people go about getting support either through community through um through mentorship what does that look like and what 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 would you recommend typically wow yeah there's a lot of ways to answer that one when you first said it i wanted to shout out to my wife cheryl who I couldn't have done all this with six kids had we not, you know, had somebody that's incredibly talented 
uh, fulfilled and really lived her purpose to, you know, being the best mother and wife and contributed to the community that she could be. And so that was the mentor often when I was rattled that she was my calming influence. So yes, the answer is find mentors, trusted advisors, loved ones that'll support your dream. And that doesn't mean they won't ask you uh, tough questions, but they support your dream and help you think deeper and better about what you're going through. Now, the other way to answer the last part of your question on how to manage, because we all have emotions, we all have ups and downs, we all have bad days, we all have you know, some people, bad weeks and months and years uh, because of health and, and death and, and uh, ch uh, challenge and trial in our lives. But when you live on plan and purpose and with habits, you can smooth out those if you're feeling good that day. So I might have had a really bad day, might have had a client um, cancel a massive contract that we were all counting on, and uh, it's a bad day. But I wake up in the morning and A, you've got some rest and B, you start your self-care habits that are just automated. It's my 30 minutes exercise. It's my 15 minutes of quiet and study. It's my, you know, so you just put those practices in place because they're habit. They're not dependent on my mood. Some people don't bake in those positive habits enough so that it is variable on mood. People always say, oh, how do you stay motivated? How do you stay motivated? Well, find a purpose and vision for your life put in some great planning principles and some great habits. And you can muscle through or motivate yourself through many of those moods and trials and disappointments that we all come through. Everybody does, right? Some bigger than others. But yeah, those would be the three tools, if you will, that I advise people to put in place to help manage through setbacks. Because there, there will be, either personally or business-wise. There always is, I don't know anybody that hasn't endured, even the most successful people uh, endured setbacks in their life. So you got to have toolkit to know how to manage that and kind of work through those emotions. Yeah. And, and with a trusted advisor means so much to so many people, right? Getting them, calming them down, someone that's great at listening, encouraging, motivating them, inspiring them to continue on. And that's what I try to do for the entrepreneurs and salespeople I coach today. Incredible. So clearly stated. And just uh I love the I love the separation of the one, two, three and just have Yeah, I'm kind of a three person. All right. That's two yeah. questions. I've come up with three. <laughs> Beautiful. So Rick, how do we how do we support you? How do we get the planner? All of the good stuff, connect with you and, and learn about all the cool projects you're working on. Well, first of all, if people want to get a hold of me if they want uh, either personal development coaching or business growth coaching, they can just email me at rickhyland at gmail.com or it's R Highland, sorry. And Highland is spelt, it looks Hayland, H-E-Y-L-A-N-D. Or go to my website and sign up at www.ciforlife.org. And that is CI stands for continuous improvement based on that purpose statement from 40 years ago. And okay, 35. Um, don't worry, I'm not that old. Uh, and um, so, and the four, number four, CI number four, life, ciforlife.org. That's my website. Um, or you can just go to Amazon and I've got three products on Amazon. One is that planner. Two is that book on live your purpose. And then three, just uh, 90 days ago, I put up and that's where I'm coaching and consulting mostly these days, a book called the truth about being a rainmaker, seven steps to sales excellence. And it really accounts that story of how we hundred X the consulting company over the 10 year period. And then 
sprinkled in is, you know, uh, the last five years, entrepreneurs that I've been coaching and working with and know and their experience about 10xing and 100xing their company. So I think it's got a lot of good principles in it, seven principles for sales excellence, but also some great stories so that hopefully people in different industries can listen to them and say, this is how I can apply it to that. So that's three ways, three ways you can find it. Yeah, there you go. Back to three. Rick, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Noah. That's it for this episode of The Big Possible Show. This is Noah Scott signing out to let you know I appreciate you for being here. Of course, if you enjoyed the episode and want to share some feedback, visit Apple and drop a review. That review will help other people find the show, and it also gives me a signal that, hey, people are out there listening. And with that, may the rest of your day be filled with epic adventures. And I'll see you right here for the next episode.